The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Welcome back, my friends. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Source of Truth podcast where we study the source of truth, which of course is the Word of God. Uh, We're glad you're with us as we have been digging through week by week or day by day, verse by verse through uh, the book of Matthew, looking at the life of Christ. And as we're coming to the end of this book, we're coming to his death, burial, and resurrection. We just talked about the death on the cross in our last episode and all of the things that come with it uh, and a lot of what that means for us. We're going to pick up here in verse 57 and we're going to talk a lot about what some of the things that took place prior or after, excuse me, after the death of Christ before the resurrection of Christ. And there's some things behind it. One, uh, some of it gives us some truth that helps us remember when someone argue about the resurrection of Christ. It gives us a little insight into the impact of Jesus at the time uh, and the reality of his death uh, and things like that. So if you're following along, we are again, Matthew 27, verse 57. The Bible says, when the evening evening came, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut out of rock, and rolled a large stone in the door of the tomb and departed. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting, uh, were there, sitting opposite the tomb. So there's this man by the name of Joseph Arimathea. We do know he was a wealthy man. We know that he was in contradiction to the teachings of the Sanhedrin and their position on Jesus, because he was a disciple. Many believe he was a part of the Sanhedrin and was against that. While not necessarily a strong public disciple, he did become a believer of Jesus, as the Bible says he was a disciple. So Joseph of Marimathea comes and he asks permission to take the body. Now, please understand why that's important, because according to the custom of those who have been crucified on the cross, the body would have been allowed to stay there and rot for many days. Again, the, one of the major purposes of the cross in the excessive public aspect of the execution was on purpose to let the world know it was a deterrent for any crime. It was a graphic, violent deterrent of crime. If you commit a crime and you are convicted, this is where you will end up. And so the decaying body is a reminder, this is, could be you. But in this scenario, he comes and asks if he can take the body of Jesus and probably due to friendship or whatever, or respect for Joseph, they gave him permission that was not normal, took uh, Jesus off of the cross. The next thing we see is this man, Joseph, then takes and puts Jesus in his own tomb. But it's intriguing to say that it was that he put him in a new tomb. And that's an important aspect to look at. You say, why? Because one of the things, if you were to start studying different religions and different opinions, comes down to the question of did Jesus really raise from the grave? There's all kinds of theories as to what happened. Um, one of the more popular that I've heard a lot, many call the swoon theory, where Jesus never really died. He just went into a coma and three days later came out of the coma and walked out of the grave. Um, we know that's not true. The Bible and many of the pastors talked about that when he's on the cross. Uh, a soldier pierced Jesus' side and the blood and water came out separately, which is a scientific proof that he had died. Um, so there's a lot of them. One of the other theories and fears at this time, as we're reading in a moment, was that 
his body was stolen. One of the fears was that if he was placed into an old tomb, maybe the person who came out of the grave wasn't Jesus, it was someone else. So it's important to know that it was in a new tomb that had not been used, and the only body that had been there was Jesus's. So as Jesus came out, it was him, it was not someone else. So let's continue down to verse 62. Bible says, the next day, following the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that deceiver, saying, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples catch his part, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and tell the people. He has risen from the dead. The last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and posting the guard. So they come with this fear. And this initial fear was simply that the disciples, to prove their leaders, as they put it, thought uh, teaching that he would rise from the dead was that they would come steal the body and hide the body and claim he'd risen from the dead. And their point was that that deception would be worse. They believe that Jesus' teaching was a deception, and they say this next one would be worse. And many later still, still to this day, did he really rise from the dead? And there's a lot of things we'll talk about in proof as to why we know he did rise from the dead. That's more than just a spiritual thing. Scripture gives us some proofs of that. But so they did a couple of things that's intriguing. Number one, they went and sealed the, the stone. It wasn't just the stone rolled up against it. They sealed it so not one or two people could just easily just roll it away. Then they pushed a guard there. Some says one or two. This would have been a large amount of soldiers who had come to guard it for the purpose of making sure nobody could steal it. And as we get to the point of the resurrection, we're going to see that when the angel came, he basically knocked unconscious the guard, the large crowd of men. The premise was they were to outnumber any group of believers of Jesus who might come and try to coup and pull him away. So it was a large enough crowd to make sure, a large enough group of soldiers to make sure this would not happen. Now, the intriguing part about this is we also see another huge step in the area of proving that Jesus raised from the dead. If it had just been that randomly the body was stolen in three days and you could have sit back and said, well, there's no proof he was alive, you know, they just stole it. And frankly, his disciples stealing a body would be harder to believe than the things that happened. So in allowing all of this to take place and Jesus, the stone being sealed and the soldiers being there gives, gives even more validity to the fact that Jesus ultimately did rise from the dead three days later. Uh, so he goes in, they put those people there. Why is it? Because he was able to prove. He had to break the seal. They had to overcome soldiers. And the first people to come to the, to the grave were women. These women were not going to overpower the soldiers. By the time they got there, the soldiers were unconscious. The stone had rolled away. Uh, it's just a proof that Jesus was God. This was not manufactured. And it's another step where God, from the time he was born, where there was a decree that his father should go to Bethlehem to be taxed, put him in the place of prophecy to be born where Jesus was prophesied to be born. Now there was another step that it was proof that only a supernatural thing could have taken place for him to come from the grave and not something men could have done. He used men in their fear, in their uh, human steps to make a point that it could never have just been a, an accident or a coincidence these things took place. And that is something we hold on to when we look to this. Now what we will do is we will talk a little bit in the next episode about um, the resurrection, you know, we'll jump into it as we go into the next section. We'll uh, look a little broader in Scripture to talk about maybe what was taking place in those three days 
Um, how do we have some assurances that Jesus is alive? What took place the days after his resurrection, before his ascension? Those are the things we're going to talk about next. Much of that, our commands as this establishment of what we now know as the church, was coming to me in my belief. The, the church was officially finalized and viewed in Acts 2. Uh, a lot of preparation was being laid in the Gospels, but it was initially started as in like this is a visual church in Acts chapter 2. And uh, we'll, we'll look a little bit as we push towards what that means and what Jesus did in preparation for that. We do appreciate the time you've given us today, the opportunity to be part of your day. We appreciate it. Hope it's a help. Stick around with us as we continue to finish up the book of Matthew and, and see not only more the finalizing story of the life of Christ uh, on earth, uh, but what that means for us today. We appreciate your time, and we hope you join us again tomorrow.